Truly the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel His mighty power and His grace. I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can
hasn't struggled with fear in some shape, form, or fashion. And if we can just really get what that song is talking about, sing that, we can sing that every day, no longer a slave to fear. That's what the devil wants to do is scare us, make us afraid to take that leap of faith. Amen. But we know we don't listen to him. Amen. My God is awesome. My God is awesome. Oh, he's awesome. Yes, awesome. Awesome. My God is awesome. Oh, yes, he's awesome. Yes,
awesome. Yes, he's awesome. Oh, awesome. My God is awesome. Amen. He is more than that. Amen. I mean, I've read it before. I, looked, I was looking up the definition of awesome and extremely impressive, inspiring, great admiration. And that don't even live up to it. Amen. He's so much more than awesome, isn't he? Amen. We serve an awesome God. Amen. I certainly had a wonderful time here on Sunday. I imagine you did as well. Looking for more of the same tonight. Amen. Sunday was just what I needed to get me through this upcoming week. But now I'm ready for more. Amen. God is so good to us. Um, I want to thank the Lord for bringing Brother George and Sister Trish back from Japan. I guess they'd been back two weeks and I didn't even realize it. Um, but thankful the Lord brought them back safely. And I'm sure there will be many testimonies coming out of that trip over there. Um, I don't have any new prayer requests today, but we know there are are many among us who have desired our prayers and even if we don't remember them I'm bad about forgetting God certainly remembers each and every one and we're so thankful for that anybody have an unspoken prayer request this evening brother Chris if you don't mind come take us to the Lord in prayer way and now they're not and I, 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 I thank God for it I tell everybody about it I really do but um, let's all bow our heads and approach your throne dear Lord Jesus God you're you're everything to us Lord you're more than awesome to us Lord and, and God my heart goes out to people that don't know him like we know him here and God we never want to take that for granted we thank you so much for being so sweet to us Lord giving us guidance when we need us need it Lord and answering our questions God when we have questions God God you give us hope uh, you give us hope for tomorrow Lord God we ain't got no confidence in ourselves we ain't got no confidence in our government we ain't got no confidence in, in anything but you Lord and God you get that is a great comfort God when all goes wrong there's one thing that stays steady and steadfast and we can depend on and that's you and God you are our lighthouse in our storm and we give you thanks for it Lord and and God, we do thank you for this lighthouse here that you've given us, Lord. God, a place that we can call our home church, God. God, as the eagles would gather into this place, Lord, because here is where fresh manna is, God. Here's where truth is. Here's where, here's where the present day truth is, God, and we're so thankful for it, Lord. And God, your prophet tells us always to pray for revelation, God, as being the most important thing. Above all things, pray for revelation, God, because it can remain as a mental conception. But God, if it, and it won't do us no good. It has potentials, Lord. But God, when you take it and you drop it down to our hearts, God, that brings on the life of it, God. And that brings on the purpose of it. And it can be effective in our life, Lord. 
God, I pray, God, this evening's service will be no different, Lord. God, you know each and every heart that's here. You know the needs in their lives, the questions that they have, things that our pastor don't know anything about, God. But, Lord, we don't look to a man, but we, we look to a gift. And it's not a thing, God. That gift is a person. And, Lord, that is you. You are the gift to this church, Lord. And, God, we ask that you just come and you would preach to us. You would meet our needs, Lord. You would walk the aisles among us, God, discern our hearts, Lord. And, God, we give you careful to give you praise, honor, and glory for it, Lord. God, may you make yourself known and vindicate your word of truth this evening, Lord. And we be careful to give you honor, praise, and glory for it. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing this as the brothers come receive the evening offering. Thank God I am free. <clears throat> Thank God I am free, free, free from this world of sin. Been washed in the blood of Jesus. Been born again. Show me the way. For 
something keeps holding me as we invite our pastor out this evening. <clears throat> something keeps holding me. fallen he's still holding me because he's the one who helps me back up you cannot get up on your own he helps you get back up when Peter was falling he was right there and Jesus just picked him right back up thank God that he's holding us in a day like, like we're living today and 
the evils of Sodom and Gomorrah and the evils of the days of Noah all around us. And in the midst of all that's going on around us, he's holding us. And I'm going to tell you what, there ain't nobody got a grip like he's got a grip. <laughs> we are engraved in the palms of his hands and no man, no man shall take us out of that grip. I'm glad to know that tonight. It's good to be in church. Amen. Romans chapter 1. I'm going to, um, as we're continuing on with the book of Romans, I'm going to surprise you one Wednesday night, and I'm going to preach something else. People think, well, I'll go ahead and turn to Romans, and then I'll make you turn to Ezekiel. We'll just, we'll just break this up for a service. That way you won't get, I uh, think you got things figured out. And, uh, Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed going through it. Uh, even in, in the first uh, part of, of the book of Romans chapter 1, it is merely the greeting of Paul to the church at Rome. He has not got in... Now, we've got into some deep things, but he wasn't trying to get any, into anything real deep. He's just greeting them. This is like to whom it may concern or to, you know, dear so-and-so. This is his greeting. But even in Paul's greeting, he got into some real deep things. Because understand that Paul did not start the church at Rome, but we can read in Acts 2, verse 10, we can find out on the day of Pentecost that there were Romans that received the Holy Ghost. In the book of Acts chapter 2, you'll find that there were Romans, people from Rome in Jerusalem that received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then they go back home. And we're fixing to get into something this evening. I'm not going to hold you long, but what I do have to hold you with will keep you. Will keep you. Romans 1 verse 7. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, <laughs> grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Now, like I said, I'm not going to keep you long, but what I have will keep you. This is one of the most powerful scriptures I've ever read in the entire Bible. That your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. You ask yourself a question, is my faith being spoken of by others? Theirs is not just spoken of by others, it's spoken of throughout the world. They had made such an impact after receiving the Holy Spirit that their faith was being spoken of. They had already built such a reputation that their faith was being spoken of around the world. Verse 9, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit 
in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. It was Paul's desire to go to Rome. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. You can be seated if you can. As I was going through this, and I'm just going through, and we're going through it together. I'm not going way ahead of you. I'm, we're going through this together. Uh, but obviously, I have to go a little bit ahead of you, or I wouldn't have anything to preach. Uh, but we are going through it together, verse by verse. And as I come across um, verse number 8, Paul says, first... I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Now, as I said in Acts chapter 2, verse 10, you'll find out that there were Romans there that received. Remember, the Bible says that there were those that were added daily to the church, such as should be saved. Uh, and at one time, there were 3,000 added to the church at one time. And in the, in, in the midst of these that were saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, there were uh, people from Rome that uh, went back, started a church. This church was not started by an apostle. It was not started by a prophet. It was started by these people that received the Holy Ghost and went back and made such an impact, not only in Rome, but throughout the world, Paul says, that their faith was being spoken of. There were things that were happening in Rome that was shaking the world. Now, as I said a moment ago, you ask yourself, just not, not the seven continents of the entire world, but the world that you live in, the people that you know that are in your world, that are in your circle of friends. I wonder how many are talking about your faith. I wonder how many conversations have have been taking place concerning you and your faith and your stand for the Word of God and your non-compromising spirit according to the Word of God, that you're standing true and you're standing faithful and you're standing firm on the Word of God. I wonder how many, now I'm not here to take this from you because there have been conversations about you. Whether you know it or not, there have been conversations about your faith. Okay, like I said, it may not be spoken of of the seven continents of the world. It may not be spoken of in other uh, countries of the world. But in the world that you live in, in the circle that you live in, and with your friends and your family and your coworkers and those that you meet up with that are in your circle of friends and family and acquaintances, that there have been conversations about you and your faith and how that you have stood firm. And when all hell seemed like it was assailing against you and you stood firm on the Word of God, no matter what came and how many floods came in and how many storms you went through and, and how many people got sick in your family and when you got sick and when things seemed like they was just falling apart, yes, sir. 
that they noticed that something was holding you together. Jesus was holding you. And then in, in, in seeing this and witnessing this, those people, you don't have to go and, and tell the world about your testimony. They're watching your testimony. They are seeing your testimony. They are witnessing your testimony. As when you go through the valley, I heard it on the song written by Dottie Rambo way back in the 70s. She wrote these words, it's in the valley, he restoreth my soul. It's not on the mountaintop, but it's in the valley is where he restoreth my soul. And when people see you going through the valley and going through trials and going through tribulations and the flood coming in on every side and, and the Bible says hell hath enlarged itself. And I'm here to tell you that hell hath enlarged itself against you as an individual, not just this world, but you as an individual, because you, when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life, you become Satan's target. Because you are now a, uh, you are, you are now a threat to the kingdom of hell. Like I said, you don't have to go on the street corners with a megaphone and a Bible and preach on the streets. You don't have to do that. Uh, you have your own ministry, and your ministry is a life lived every day. Lived voice, is that right? Brother Ram says that's what, that's what we need is more lived voices. Not necessarily having to tell people, but live it before them so they can witness it and so they can see it. Uh, I, had a, I had another opportunity. I hope people don't get tired of, of hearing my testimony because if you get tired of hearing it, then you're at the wrong church because I'm going to give God glory for what He's done in my life. And I'm going to continue to give God glory for what He's done in my life. And so with me having my surgery a month ago, um, I'm going to the same uh, re rehabilitation place, but they've opened a new facility in, in Bethlehem, Georgia. So I'm going there instead of the one in Monroe. I'm trying to help support them because they don't have many, uh, many customers yet. So I'm going there to try to help them uh, build up this new store that they've opened. So um, there's therapists there that are, that, are that are working with me that I don't know. Uh, they're, they're new to the business, they're new uh, in that facility, and they're also new to me. So I'll, uh, they, they put me on the, the bicycle that don't go nowhere. You know, the stationary bicycle that you pedal and it says 10 miles and you're still at the same place. You ain't went nowhere, but it says you went 10 miles. So I'll just have to agree with it, I guess, that I went 10 miles and I'm still at the same place. But I'm sitting there on, on the bike and I'm riding, you know, and, and understand this, that many times we take things for granted and we don't realize that we do, just getting on a bicycle and riding it. Uh, it took me uh, about 10 minutes to make my first revolution, uh, to be able to make my knee go all the way around, my leg to make one revolution, because you don't realize that all the muscles and tendons and everything that was cut when they replaced my knee... And just to make one revolution, you go so far and then it's too much, then it just suck a tear right out of your eyeball. Uh, I don't care how strong you are, I don't care if you got muscles in your toenails, it'll suck a tear right out of your eye. Uh, because it's just so painful. And you go as, push yourself as far as, you're, as you can, then you got to let off and you got to go back this way and go as far as you can. And your body starts shaking because you're in so much pain. And then you go back the other way and you're just trying to make one revolution. Sister Gloria knows what I'm talking about. You're just trying to make one revolution, uh, one, you know, go one time around on the bicycle. And you can't go, and then so you go back the other way. And after about five, ten minutes, finally you go over the, you know, the little engine that could, you know, oh, finally go over the top of the mountain. Shoo. But now you got to go over it again. <laughs> 
It's just a constant, you know, never-ending cycle. That's why I call it a bicycle. It's a cycle. You go cycle over and over and over. So I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm finally to the place now I can just get on the bike and I can just start riding it. Thank God that I don't have to, I don't have to sit there and cry like a three-year-old girl and try to get a revolution on the stationary bike. I can get on it and adjust my seat and start riding it. Now, thank God that I've moved that far ahead. So this young lady, she comes and she just pulls up a seat and she sits down beside me. And she says, uh, I seen you here last week. Uh, there was a young man from Trinidad there. His name was, was Tripp. And um, so I had a lot of conversation with him. Uh, he, he was there for two days, uh, two weeks ago when I was there and had some good conversation with him. You don't have anything else to do but exercise and talk. So that's what you do. Uh, you talk to them and you know a lot about them, but uh, then they find out a lot about you. So I got an opportunity. She said, uh, and honestly, I don't even remember her name. Um, but she said, my name is so-and-so, whatever it was. I said, well, I'm Daniel. Nice to meet you. She said, I was here the other day, but didn't get a chance. Introduce myself. She said, tell me a little bit about you. I'm like, I don't have a little bit to tell about me. I got a whole lot to tell you about me. So you know how you know how my story goes. It goes, you know, you know. I'm a pastor of a church, a father of five, grandfather of four, grandfather of four. That's still hard for me to get that out. Grandfather of, I love being a grandfather, but me to say I'm a grandpa. Some of you will cross that bridge and you say, Grandpa, I'm a grandpa. Grandpas are supposed to be old. No, I ain't old. So I began to tell her, you know, I've been pastor 23 years and, uh, and, and, and been married for 32 and a half and my children. You start telling them the story and then and one thing leads to another. And then uh, you, obviously I'm there for a reason because I got some kind of a surgery or had some kind of a uh, injury or something. I, I'm at rehab for a reason. So she wants to know, you know, about why I'm there. So I began to tell her one thing after another. So I, 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 I had the opportunity to give her my testimony. And that's what it was. It wasn't just stories. Because I told her, under no uncertain terms, I said, listen, ma'am. I said, I don't know if I called her ma'am because she was I'm old enough to be her daddy. Uh, but I said, uh, I want you to understand that I, I, we believe in the power of prayer. We, we believe that God heals. And I said, uh, I told her about my cancer situation two different times and how God has healed me from that. And then all the other surgeries and... and uh, and then the, the, the thing that got her the most, because they see people, you know, every day that's had knee replacements, hip replacements, you know, uh, shoulder replacements. They see people every day with, with all kind of joint replacements. But they don't find people that's ever shot themselves. And so I, I was able to show her my hand, and she obviously knew something about weapons. When I told her I shot myself with a 45, she her eyes got real big. She said, a, a 45 automatic? I said, yes. Again, I, I don't know if I said, yes, ma'am. I said, yes, it was a 45. I said, you reacted just like the cops did when they showed up. They didn't believe I shot myself with a 45. This is the God's truth. I, I, I stand before you and, and I lie not. She started using, as she was telling other people in the facility about my uh, shooting myself with a 45, she started using the word miracle. I, I, didn't, I didn't have to put this in her mouth. She now witnesses, she sees the scars, and I showed her some pictures of my, or a picture of my hand that while they was in surgery, and some of you want to see that if you don't have a weak stomach, I can show it to you. In the middle of surgery, 
They had my hand pulled back with little, um, you know, little shrimp forks. They had my hand pulled back, and it looked literally like hamburger meat, that my hand was just literally destroyed. Uh, the doctor used annihilated, and she looked at that, and she said, my goodness, she said, that's just hard to believe that, and I'm over here doing this in front of her. <laughs> I'm doing this. I'm, not only can I use, I said, I'm back playing the guitar, playing the bass, and when I have to, I play the drums, and uh, I said, you know, uh, just the fact I have a hand, and so then she starts using the word miracle, that's just nothing but a miracle, and so, so we get chances and opportunities to tell people our story, it's, this is my story, so I tell it as a witness, and, and I let her know up front, we believe in the power of healing, we believe in the power of prayer. I said, we, our church was praying. We had people around the world praying. I said, the reason I can do what I can do and the reason I have my hand and the reason I can walk and the reason I, I'm, I'm not in, in, in the ground with uh, dying, uh, you know, dead with cancer is because we believe that God still heals the sick. Amen. And I was standing there or sitting there on the bicycle telling her about this. Now, I don't know if she was a Christian, a professed Christian. I don't know nothing about her. But I was not ashamed to tell her that God still heals the sick and that I am a witness. I'm a testimony. Now, that's all you can do is tell them how the fire got lit, is tell them your story. And, and, and you're sitting there and you're standing there telling them what you've been through in your life. And then now it leaves a mark on their life. They'll never forget these things that we tell them that we've been through. And, and, and in their mind, no doubt, they're thinking, my, this person is still serving God. This man is still preaching. This man still believes. This man is still, you know, a, a, a serving God and is still a believer. And my, I don't, I don't know what kind of an imprint it left, but I promise you it left an imprint in her life. To actually, to actually witness a man that had went through what I'd went through, and I'm still preaching, and I'm still serving God, and I'm still standing on the Word of God, and not compromising, and letting her know that the only reason I'm here is because God still heals the sick. God still answers prayer. Can you say amen? And Paul goes on to say in this chapter, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. And I'm not ashamed. Because I am a witness to the power of God. I'm a witness to the healing power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And we should not be ashamed to tell our story. These people in Rome obviously were not ashamed to give witness to the Holy Spirit in their life. Because it was known throughout the world. Their reputation has been built. Now they receive the Holy Ghost. And now people that knew them before. And now they, it's like Brother Chris said, I know what, I, what my knees were or what, what I was, but I know what I am now. Amen. All I know is I was blind, but now I see. All I know is I was lost, but now I'm found. That's all I know. I don't have to try to explain it. I don't need some kind of college education. All I know is I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. That's all I need to understand. That's all I need to know is people know you before and then they know you after. So what's different about you? What's changed about you? Well, let me tell you my story. Jesus found me. Don't you ever tell them you found Jesus because Jesus wasn't lost. Oh, too many people say, well, I found Jesus. No, you didn't. He wasn't lost. Jesus found me in the gutter of life. He found me on a bar stool. He found me on a dance floor. Wherever it was at, He found me. Amen. He came looking for me. Can you say amen? amen? 
He came looking for me. He left the 99 and he came looking for me with the intention of finding me. Hello, somebody. We lose things and we don't know if we're going to find them or not. But all that the Father hath given me will come. I will find everyone that was lost. Understand this, my friend. Jesus is not looking for the, for the children of Satan because they're not lost. No, Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. It was his children that were lost, not Satan's children. His children were lost. Are we together? I came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was you and I. Satan's children aren't lost. He has them. He's in control of them. They do what he says. They do what he wants. So they're not lost. It was us that was lost. It was us that he left the 99 for. And so when we have opportunity and we have a, a, a chance to tell somebody our story and, 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 and our testimony and give them witness that God still does what the Bible says he will do. I'm a witness. And these people, when Paul said what he did, my just... It was mind-blowing to read what he said, that your faith is known throughout the world. Your faith has left an imprint. It's left an impact on other people's lives. They will not forget the meeting they had with you. You left such an imprint in their life that they'll never forget it. I trust when people come to our church as a visitor, as a guest, they may never come back again, but I trust that one visitation... Leaves an imprint in their heart and in their life that they'll never forget that one time they visited the Lord of Life Tabernacle. That's, that's my heart's desire is that it will leave such an imprint that they, they, they know that when they, when they walk through those double doors, they know there's a supernatural presence here. They know there's a, 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 a person here that's not just human. They recognize that there's more than humanity in this building. That there are angels lying in these walls. And an angel escorted you to your pew. Come on somebody. That there's more than just humans here. There is deity here. It was different than other churches that they visited. And I'm not down in other churches. I'm just here to tell you. I want, I, I want their visitation to leave an imprint in their life. That they knew something was different than the Baptists. Something was different than the Methodists. Something was different than the Pentecostals. Come on, somebody. I'm not downing them, but I'm telling you, we have something they don't. Because if I believe they had something I didn't, I'd be with them. Come on. I believe we have something that God has enlightened us to that they don't have. But if there's somebody in those churches that are searching for more, then God is obligated to open their eyes. See, some people are satisfied being a Baptist. Some people are satisfied being, they're not looking for anything more. They feel like they have found the pearl of great price. Pentecostals feel like they have found the pearl of great price. They're not looking for anything more. See, when my family left Pentecost in 1975, my family, my mom and dad, was searching for something more than that church had to offer. And the pastor made a vital mistake in the pulpit. The pastor they were sitting under at the time claimed to be a prophet, and the people claimed him to be a prophet. It turned out he was. 
He was just a false one. <laughs> and he made, the, he made the mistake of, of making this comment. God has visited this generation. And God has sent a seventh church age messenger. And his name happened to be William Marion Branham. And my mother is sitting there. I can take you to the building if it's still standing. Elam Road in Stone Mountain, Georgia. I don't know the pew she was sitting at, but I could take you to the building if it's still standing there on Elam Road. And she was sitting there and she was thinking, if, if, he's, if, if, if this man, William Branham, is the fulfillment of the seventh church age messenger that is written in Revelation 3.14, then... Shouldn't we be listening to what this man has to say? I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty much, you know, elementary. If he is in fact Malachi 4, if he's Luke 17, 30, if he is Revelation uh, uh, 10, 1 to 7, if he is the fulfillment of the seventh church age messenger, then we need to hear what he has to say. There was something inside of my, my, my parents that was yearning, that was thirsting, that... that, that that was longing for something more than, the, than what this man was giving them. See, if God has placed a seed inside of you, nothing else but pure, unadulterated truth will satisfy you. Some of you come out of denomination and you know it didn't satisfy you. You knew you were sitting there thinking there's got to be something more than this. I'm supposed to be teaching again and here I am preaching. It's just real difficult for me to teach. So uh, I'll do the best that I can. If there's something, if there's a seed on the inside of a person, and they're sitting in a denominational church, or not even denomination, just independent, and the man that's preaching the Word of God, no doubt he's got a level of truth. They all do. Even Catholics, in some, in some degree, they have a level of truth. They all have a, but I don't want a level of truth. No, no more than I want to go to a psychic that's 80% correct. Because it'd be my luck, I'd be in the 20%. Who, want, who wants to go and follow somebody that's 80%, 90%? Who wants to follow somebody that's 99 Even Satan's 99% correct. Hello? The greatest lie ever told was 99% truth. It's that 1% that throws everybody off. That's the deceiving part. See, because the greatest lie has more truth in it than it does error. Because that's what gets people's attention. Not the error part, but the truth part. Well, they, they're preaching the message. Didn't you hear that? That's exactly what Brother Ram said. That, that's the part that catches their attention. But see, the deceptive part is, you shall not surely die. That's the deceptive part. Brother Ram said, never underestimate Satan's power to deceive. Because it's that 1% that it is causing millions times millions of people to worship the devil right now and don't know it. It's not the 99% truth. It's that 1% that is deceiving them. And so what happens is that men that know Brother Ram was vindicated by God, you'd have to listen, listen. You don't even have to have education. You don't even have to know how to read and write. 
you follow this ministry to any degree whatsoever, you know God was in this man. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist and these men that get on, on, on uh, TVN and different, you know, uh, uh, so-called Christian networks and talk about Brother Branham. And I've seen them do it. Uh, I've seen T.L. Osborne and his wife Daisy talk about Brother Branham and how he was misunderstood and his ministry and, and how the, their pastor, uh, T.L. Osborne and his wife and family was going to a certain church and their pastor told them not to go to Brother Branham's meeting. Well, that, you know what, you know, you know, you know how you uh, get a child to do something? Tell him not to do it. Don't you touch that. Well, you just give him an open invitation to touch it. Now, how many's ever heard of the, uh, as, as a Christian, as a group in the message, where they used to be, they're all married and got kids now, but the Cockman family, how many's ever heard of the Cockman family? Well, I heard an interesting story, and, and, and I, I assume that it's true. It came from a good, uh, good source. Um, that what the daddy did was when he's, he's raising his children, they're all just extremely, ridiculously talented. If you've ever heard them play, they play kind of a country bluegrass, bluegrass style uh, gospel music. And um, so what he did is he took, like, say, uh, the, the young man, I call him young man because he is a young man to me, his name's uh, Brother John Cockman, and he plays the fiddle, and he sings the bass part. And so what he did, not to just Brother John, but all his kids, he took a particular instrument and put it in their bedroom and told them, don't touch it. And before he knew it, they was all playing instruments. So when Teal Osborne's pastor said, don't go hear this heretic, this false prophet, William Bradham, well, it created an interest, curiosity. Why is he telling us not to go support this man in his meetings? So you know what they did? Well, Teal didn't. Daisy went. Because Teal Osborne, I guess, had a position and he didn't want to lose it. But Daisy went. And she come back telling T.L. Osborne, you got to go. You will not believe what is going on in this man's ministry. And literally, it, he didn't believe it until he seen it for himself. And then later when he does the funeral, he says these words, Jesus Christ walked among us because he witnessed it. And then he gets on national TV on TBN and tells about the ministry. And Benny Hinn's done it. Numerous people have done it about Brother Branham and his ministry. You, listen, you, you'd have to be absolutely out of your mind not to recognize that God vindicated this man in his ministry. And so what these men would do, and my, uh, my family's former pastor in Pentecost, what he would do, he was preaching serpent seed in Pentecost. He was preaching serpent seed. He was preaching water baptism in Jesus' name. He was preaching the Godhead, oneness of the Godhead. He was preaching the message, but he was not telling them where he was getting it from. And so the people were rejoicing. My, this man's got so much understanding. <laughs> no, he's got a tape player. <laughs> people are still doing it today. Uh, but they certainly did it back in the 60s and 70s. And they would, they would, what they would do is they would take the part off the tape, bring it to their people, and then not let the people know where they got it from as if it was their revelation when they got it right off the tape. 
And so this is what began to happen. So something began to stir in my mom and dad's heart like there's something going on. There's something more than what this man is offering. Even though they was enjoying the doctrinal part that this brother was, I call him brother by faith. He, he was preaching that was from the message. But then when he made that comment about Brother Brandon being the seventh church age messenger, they begin to look, they begin to ask questions to other people, to other people in the church. Did you hear what the pastor said? Did you hear what he said about William Branham? Yeah, we heard that. That kind of struck a nerve. Who is this man? We need to start looking around. Well, one thing led to another. You know how word gets around, and this was a good word. This wasn't gospel, but this, these people were literally trying to find truth. Something in them was pulling them, was drawing them to truth. And all of a sudden, a name pops up, Wilson Hembry. They didn't know who he was, didn't know anything about him, but they heard that he was preaching the message of Malachi 4. And so they start visiting the church there, uh, 1153 Ormwood Avenue, downtown Atlanta. They start visiting the church. Well, when the, when the Pentecostal pastor finds out that some of his people are visiting this church, this uh, church that follows Brother Branham, then he starts prophesying against them. Because he knows they're going to leave. So he starts prophesying fear. If you leave, this is going to happen. If you leave, this is going to happen to your family and all kinds of calamity and all kinds of floods and all kinds of things are going to come against you and your family. And, and this is going to happen. So he put fear in their hearts. But see, if God is in it, it overrides fear. Every time it overrides fear. It does not stop a believer. So they kept going. And, and the prophecy still kept coming. So eventually they just went to the pastor and said, Look, uh, we're leaving. We, we can't stay here any longer. You, you have said certain things uh, in the name of the Lord that has not come to pass. And does not look like it's going to come to pass. And so therefore, um, we are leaving this ministry because you have proven to be a false prophet. I don't know if he was in those exact words, but... Uh, whatever he, they told him, he did not like. And so, uh, when my sisters got sick and my sisters passed away, that church that my family left was, but, but was broadcasting it that that was God's wrath on my family for leaving that church. That God took my three sisters because my family was bold enough to leave that Pentecostal church. That's... I'm just telling you facts. It's what they did. They said, had you stayed with us, had you stayed in this church, you'd have still had your, your, your daughters and you'd have still had the, uh, the, the three girls. Well, that wouldn't have been true either because God's plan cannot be stopped. And it was God's plan to take them. When your card is pulled, I don't care what, you're going. When your card is pulled and it's your time to go, I don't care what, what the doctors say, I don't care what nobody says, you're going. It's your time to go. So uh, they, they, they was using these kind of tactics, but there was something in my parents, and it was like five or six families that left all at one time. And I could name some of the families. Some of you would know them. They all left the same church at one time. Started going to Brother Wilson Henry's there in Atlanta. And, and, and then they started feasting upon the opening of the word that he had at that time. This is 1975, which we, you know, we thought we had a lot of opening of the word in 75, when in reality we really didn't. Um, and even now, we think we have a whole lot of opening in the word, and we'll find out in eternity we hadn't even scratched the surface yet. 
Praise the Lord. We'll still be learning about him through the ceaseless ages of eternity. And we think we know so much about him on this side. No, we have not yet scratched the surface of who God is. But we, but we do need to understand who we are, my friend. That when these people came back from Rome, and I, my time's running out quickly, but uh, when, they, when they came back from Jerusalem, rather, to Rome, they began to testify abroad, and they began to give their testimony and shine their light and be salty to the fact that where Paul gets word back that, hey, the, these people's faith is being recognized. I want it to be that people know about this church. Come on. I'm not talking about being popular. I'm not talking about my name being a household name. I'm talking about our faith. The faith of this church to be known abroad. That things are happening at Word of Life Tabernacle. And I ain't talking about emotion. I'm talking about the supernatural. The miracles are happening and, 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 and lives are being changed. And, 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 and God is in our midst. God is showing himself uh, uh, evident among us. He is manifesting himself. And he is. Every service the word is discerning somebody. And I want people to know and understand. God is moving at Word of Life Tabernacle. And if I be lifted up. Jesus said if I be lifted up I'll draw all men. Listen friend I'm not trying to draw men to me. I'm not trying to draw men to this building. I'm trying to draw men to Christ. How is it that Paul could move on? i gotta, I got to move on. I, I'm running out of time quickly. How is it that Paul could go on after he says their faith is known abroad? And then he goes on to say these words. Verse 11. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you. Okay, make sure you, we need to make the font bigger. Do we have people that, <laughs> maybe I, I'll buy you some glasses if you can't read that. That I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. Paul had something they needed. You can't give what you don't have. Listen, friend. At the gate called Beautiful, there was two men that passed by a beggar one day. And the beggar asked for money. And they said, we don't have no money. But what I do have, I give unto you. So where did this come from? Jesus did not come down in the body of flesh. Jesus did not condescend in, in the same body they knew him as just weeks before this. No. Jesus was there in another body. And so therefore through the body, the seed must come through the body. And so they were able to impart healing. God have mercy. How does my healing happen in my body? Through the body. Healing comes through the body. You need spiritual healing, it comes through a body. That's why you can't sit at home. You've got to be part of a body. 
Healing comes through the body. Life comes through the body. The impartation of gifts comes through the body. Such as I have, give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And they were so adamant about it when he didn't move quick enough. They reached down and picked him up. I said, walk, boy. We need more of this kind of faith. That we can impart to others that don't have it yet. Maybe somebody's uh, depressed. Maybe they're oppressed. Maybe, maybe they're sad. Maybe they're downtrodden. Maybe they're going through hell. I don't know what the case may be. But we have the ability as being part of a body to impart strength. To edify one another. That's building up. We don't need to be tearing down one another. We need to be edifying one another. I I I I I've been going through a bit of a a bit of a a weak time in my life. Anytime you have go through surgery, it sometimes it works on your faith. So I've been, you know, uh, uh, people hate it when I'm transparent, but just to be honest with you, I've been going through a little bit of a, a, a weak time in my life. But the Bible says when I'm weak. <laughs> but where does this strength come from? That's why I'm here tonight, so I can receive from you the strength I need to carry on till Sunday. Listen, you're not the only one that edified that, that is built up from the body. I get built up because I'm part of the body too. Some of you don't realize it, that sometimes while I'm preaching, I'm pulling on you. Because listen, I, I, I'm not a rocket scientist, but I, you don't need that kind of degree to know that when people come in the door, who's happy and who's not. And so it's those that really are into worship. They're really worshiping. I ain't talking about fanaticism. I'm talking about, their, oh my, they've had, you know, a week from hell or whatever. Oh, it's so good, so refreshing to be in the house of God. I'm so happy I could be here. I'm so glad I had the desire to be in the house of God. And then you got people looking like they ate a bunch of sour grapes. I'm not pulling from you. You ain't got nothing to give. Pulling from those that are excited to be here. That are happy to be in the presence of God. So while I'm preaching, sometimes I'll see somebody that's really, oh my, they're backing the word of God. And they're amen and they're clapping and they're holding their hands up, worshiping God. And I say, oh, that's my target. (laughs) That's my target. I'm fixing up. When you leave here, you're going to be just a bit weaker than you got. And you're going to leave here going, man, oh, I'm so tired. What happened? Did I worship God that much? No, your pastor pulled on you. Because I get down too. Elijah was a man. Subject to like passions. As we are. Even prayed God kill him. We all go through it. Maybe not to that degree, but we all go through downtime. 
That's why we need one another. We need to strengthen one another. We need to impart strength to one another. We need to impart life to one another. We need to edify the building up of one another. Love one another. Above everything, love one another. You got a few more minutes? Jesus. Paul says, I want to come to Rome. I want to be there with you. It was Paul's desire. Now, this was, this was a death sentence for Paul. This is where Paul dies. But remember, in the book of Acts, God gives him a prophecy. As you have testified of me in Jerusalem, you shall also testify of me in Rome. And this was Paul's desire to be at, with the believers of Rome that had this testimony of faith that the world knew about. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that group that had this kind of a testimony of faith? I want to be a part of that kind of group. I'm joining up. I, I, I want to be a part of that kind of group that's, that's on fire for God. That's not ashamed to worship God. It's not a shame to lift their hands and lift their voices. I don't care if you can carry a tune in a lard bucket. Lift your voice. Make a joyful noise. Paul says, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. I want, I, I'm, I'm ready. Now this, Paul being a prophet, seeing that when he goes to Rome, Rome that's the last city that he will ever visit. But he wanted so much, even knowing that Nero was going to cut his head off. He wanted so bad to be with these kind of people. It wasn't Jerusalem. It wasn't Capernaum where the water was turned to wine. It wasn't Bethany where Lazarus was raised from the grave. It was Rome. Let it sink in. Because Paul goes on to tell us, I'm ready to be offered. After he come in contact with these people, now I'm ready to be offered. He knew all the apostles. He knew Peter, the man with the keys. He knew James, the pastor of the church. He knew all the disciples. But that was not what made him ready to be offered. What made him ready to be offered was the church at Rome. That he could have a testimony. Oh, death. Where is your sting? Grave! Where is your victory? This happened in Rome. This was Paul's testimony in Rome. Because of the church at Rome had such faith. Had such witness. Had such testimony. Faith in Jesus Christ that Paul wanted so bad to be a part of it. I want this church to have a faith. Because remember, that's what he's looking for when he returns. Shall I find faith? Shall I find faith when I return? I want this church to be one of the top of the lists that he finds faith in this church. Faith that can conquer cancer. And it has. Faith that can conquer any disease that's out there. And it has. Yes, sir. 
We've got witnesses here tonight that our faith is now known abroad. Mm. Paul himself called himself an apostle, but Paul was also an evangelist that went from church to church, working all over in the, the different regions. And you wonder why. Sometimes you wonder why Paul seemed like Paul was working tirelessly. That Paul never stopped. It was almost as if it wasn't because we don't believe in works this way, but it was almost as if Paul had a debt that he needed to pay off. Because Brother Branham says that the picture of Stephen being stoned and him holding the coats of those that stoned him never left his mind. Because the witness and the testimony of Stephen had left an imprint. Listen, the first church age messenger, a deacon, a lay member, had a testimony that stuck with the first church age messenger. That changed his life. That he never forgot the witness. Of Stephen being stoned. And let me tell you friend. They weren't just tossing rocks. They were throwing them as hard as they could. Trying to take this man's life. And while he's being stoned. He lifts up his eyes and sees Jesus. (laughs) So now he witnesses Jesus. Now he's got. Access behind the veil. And what was his request? When he gets access to Jesus himself. Lay not this sin against their charge. What a man. What a witness. Can you imagine that ringing in Saul of Tarsus' ears? Lay not this sin against their charge. Forgive their debt. I will not take this this bitterness. I will not take this grudge to my grave. I'll forgive them. It's finished. It's done. It's over with. Don't lay this against their charge. Wipe it. Erase it off the books. And this left such an imprint in Paul's life. That he constantly went from church to church to church to church. Wrote letter after letter. If Paul had not done what he'd done, we wouldn't have a New Testament. Let me read you a couple quotes and I'll, I'll quit. My goodness. That day on Calvary. 1960. He is referring to John 14, 12, where Jesus says, the greater works shall you do. Paul says, I want to come to you that I may impart unto you a spiritual gift so that you may be established. Brother Bram says in paragraph 54 of that day on Calvary, 1960, notice the greater works was to have the power in the church not only to heal the sick by prayer, 
Cast out devils by prayer, but to impart eternal life to believers. You can't impart eternal life to unbelievers. Because there's nothing in them to believe. So that's why you don't try to ram things down people's throat. You've got to believe this and you've got to believe this. No. If they're an unbeliever, they're not going to believe nothing you say. You can show them in the Bible. That don't mean they even believe the Bible. You realize we're living in an age to where the Bible is just another book. It is not the word of God to this generation. It is not the infallible, pure word of God to this generation. It's just another book on the shelf collecting dust. But to a believer, show them in the book. I believe it. I don't have to understand it. All I'm told to do is believe it. He says the Holy Ghost, he says, uh, uh, not only to heal the sick by prayer, cast out devils by prayer, but to impart eternal life to believers. The Holy Ghost was coming and given into the hands of the church to impart life. It was given into the hands of the church to impart life. What did Paul say he was going to do? Impart a spiritual gift. So that they may be established. Paul had something that he could give. But there's too many empty vessels trying to give out things they don't have. People were trying to give out joy. You need to come to Word of Life Tabernacle. And get you a good dose of love. Because we're just dripping with it. Okay? If, um, if you don't have something worth giving, I don't want it. And if, and if you're ashamed to invite people to this church, you don't need to be here. See, see, over the years, people have been ashamed to invite people to this church because uh, they're scared I'm going to act like an idiot. Which most of the times, they're right. I may act like an idiot. But I'll tell you, just like David, you ain't seen nothing yet. Some people may call it an idiot, but I call it worship. When the world is doing what they're doing and not ashamed of what they're doing, and how they're dressing and how they're piercing and how they're tattooing and how they're doing this, that, and the other. And they're not ashamed. Even on the steps of the White House, women showing their breasts. Things that are happening in this world, my friend, are below the lowest part of morality that you could ever imagine. Brother Branham said, only a woman can stoop lower than any other animal. I ain't told my sisters. He said, women, not sisters. He said, because out there in the animal kingdom, it's only a certain time that she can breed. But with a woman, it's any time. He said, she could stoop lower than an animal. Caused many a good man to lose his ministry. To lose his family, to lose his wife, to lose his kids. To lose everything that he's built for years and years and years. 
And the woman will go from him to another one and ruin his life. And then from that one to another one and ruin his life. And they don't care. They're out just to get another notch in their gun. To ruin as many lives as they can. I was just listening to it this week. Brother Brandon was at that stock sale with that man that kept looking in the eyes of those heifers. I'm going to be glad I'm fixing to shut up. I'm just telling you what he said. He said, why do you keep looking at them in the eyes like that? And some of them you won't even bid on. Look like a pretty good heifer to me. He said, let me tell you something, boy. They got that wild stare. You better leave them alone. Uh, now, if you've ever looked at a cow, if you've ever looked at a heifer that had a wild stare, I have. Don't turn your back on her. <laughs> you got that right, she's coming. She's coming for you. It's quiet up in here. I'm not talking about sisters. I'm talking about women out there. They have no morals. Remember, remember. When Brother Branham seen the preview of the bride, he says, is this all we have to offer? Remember now, he's looking at the American church. Now, when I said the word closed, some of you shut me off. I, I ain't closed yet, so hang on with me just another minute or two. He's looking not at the world. He's looking at the American church. And she is naked from her waist up. Not worldly women. Church going women. This is how they look in the sight of God. Oh, Jesus. Naked from the waist up. Dancing to the rhythm, the beat of rock and roll music. The church. I wonder how, how God can even, well, he can't stomach it because it makes him sick in his stomach. I will spew them out of my mouth. These people that claim to be religious, that have compromised on the word of God. These men that call themselves preachers and pastors that will not preach the truth. That get on national TV with Oprah Winfrey like she's somebody. And her ask them a direct, it's on YouTube, you can go look it up. It's on the internet. Asking these so-called top-name denominational preachers on TV, T.D. Jakes and Joel Osteen and the like, is homosexuality wrong? And Blinky says, well, Oprah, uh, I'm I'm, 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 I'm nobody's judge. You don't have to be. They judge themselves. You don't have to be nobody's judge. I'm not, I'm not the one to sentence them. But when you look at a, a pear tree and it's got pears on it, are you judging it by saying it's a pear tree? No. You're not, you're not sentencing that pear tree. You're just, it is what it is. It's barren pears. And none of them guys, none of them would come out and say what the, what the, what the book of Leviticus says about Homosexuality. What Romans says. We'll get to it later. What Romans says about it. They would not go to the Bible. 
They would not come out and say, it's wrong. It's an abomination. You know why? He said, we have them in our church. And Oprah asked T.D. Jakes, can the LGBTQ community and the church cohabit together in church? He says, I don't see why not. If I could have reached through my laptop and got a hold of his fat neck. It might have took two hands. I would have used them. Here's a man that claims to be a man of God. And is afraid to tell the truth. And will one day stand before Jehovah. And give an account when he had an opportunity before millions of people. To condemn that thing. And instead it compromised. So therefore he has a reputation. Rome. The church at Rome had a reputation. Their faith was known around the world. Their faith. Now this, these men have their reputation around the world. They are now accepting them. Listen. We accept anybody. Any walk of life. We don't lock the doors on people that wear britches, women. We don't lock the doors if they don't look like you sisters look. We don't tell them they're not welcome. But I do preach this. You'll either get saved or get out. You're not going to remain the same. Because I'm going to preach it hard enough that them demons are going to get so nervous on them. They're either going to get delivered or they're going to not want to be delivered and leave. They're welcome to come. Anybody, any walk of life. I don't care who they are, what their past is, what they've done. Come on, somebody. Stay with me. It don't matter what they've done. But I'm here to tell you, friend, that they will not remain the same. Because I want this to be a place of correction. A house of truth that tells it like it is. No matter how, how bad it hurts somebody's feelings. I refuse to compromise on the Word of God. And I want my reputation to go out. Hey, this man, no play games. You ever wonder why I don't get many invitations? It's because of the way I preach. People don't want to hear it, and that's fine. I've got an open invitation here every week, and this is all I need. I don't need to go around the world. And if y'all vote me out, I'll go start me another one. Because I'm like a Jeremiah, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. You ain't going to shut me up. Let's stand. I got to quit. Man, I wasn't going to preach this long. Lord, have mercy. I hope somebody was blessed. Praise the Lord. Well, a few of you were. And, and, and someone was, well, I really, I'll have to go back and listen to it. And make sure <laughs> Well, they're on there, and they're, we're not hiding them. They're on there. You can go back and listen to them and, uh, and see if you agree with it the second time or not. <laughs> God is good, and all the time. My, it's been a good crowd on Wednesday night. Thank God that we have an opportunity to be in the house of God on a midweek service and come and get refreshed by the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. If you would uh, remember 
Sister Sherry Cornelius, if you would, she's been sick for several days. She needs prayer. She's been in uh, in bed for about four days. They're not sure exactly what it is. They uh, uh, kind of think they might know what it is, but not sure. So if you would, just hold Sister Sherry up before the Lord. Uh, Brother Wayne is uh, in the process of trimming our house. Uh, just, just got a wonderful spirit about him, real meek and just humble and um, just found him to be a real uh, quality, quality spirit about this man. And so he's asked that we would remember his wife. So um, we want to remember Sister Sherry. Um, four days in bed, that's a long time. And I promise you, if it was your wife or your husband, you'd want somebody to pray. You want somebody to hold them up before the Lord. So just remember and hold her up before the Lord. And we've got others that uh, that, that that not here tonight for whatever reason. We've got people out of town. This is uh, the ending of the summer. School's fixing to start back. So vacations are fixing to be over with. So get them in while you can. Because <laughs> you've got to send your kids back to school. And some people are going, yeah, send them back to school. Um, so anyway, I had I had another announcement. And I can't, oh, um, Brother Caleb Campbell has been on my heart. Um, most of you know that uh, they lost their little I understand when I say lost uh, their little uh, Zoe Rose My every time I think about that and I, I watched the part of the service that he did it was about 12 minutes long I think and he could hardly get through it for breaking down and understandably so uh, looking over there beside him in that white casket about that long I, I just I don't I don't know how I could deal with something like that. But but God in His infinite wisdom, we don't have to understand it, and I, and we don't. But we do understand this: that medical science was proven wrong yet again. She was not even supposed to come to full term, and not even supposed to be born, not even supposed to take her first breath in this life. But yet they had her for several days and had her in the bed with them and snuggled with her and cuddled with her and had some time with her on this earth. And for that, we thank God. Those memories and those times they had together, we thank God. Uh, we don't understand. God's ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. We don't understand always the mind of God or the purpose of God. But what we can do is we can pray for those left behind. Jesus understands because he wept at the tomb of Lazarus. So if you would, just hold up uh, Brother Caleb and, and, and his wife and the family there. And, and it's going to take some time for them to get through this. Um, they say time heals all wounds. That's true to a degree, but time is also a thief. Time steals memories. Time steals things from us as well. So if you would, just hold them up before the Lord uh, as well. That I know that God promised that he would be a comforter to us. And uh, in that, we take great comfort that he is our comfort in times like this. So let's power our heads and pray before we go tonight. Heavenly Father, it's been refreshing to be in your house one more time. And Lord, I don't know if there's been a time that I've walked out before a group of people, but what I've bowed my head and got down up, at least upon one knee and asked you to be with me because, Lord... I'm nothing without you. The greatest gift I have is to get out of the way. And I trust I was able to do that tonight, and I trust the word found good ground. 
And I trust somebody was blessed, edified, strengthened, encouraged, corrected, whatever they had need of tonight. I trust we can leave from this building tonight better than when we came. God, I pray for Sister Sherry as she's been sick and in bed for these days. Oh, God. God, we want to do as Abraham did and call those things that are not as though they were. And thank you in advance for her healing. We're not asking you to go back to another cross. We're not asking you to walk to Via Dolorosa no more. It's a finished work. So we want to thank you in advance for her healing. You see what she has need of in her body. God, may it be manifested. Even now, as we approach your throne of grace tonight, God, may something start to stir within her flesh and within her body. And the healing power of Almighty God flow through her, God, from the crown of her head to the soles of her feet. And raise her out of that bed, off the bed of affliction. And give her strength that she hasn't had in years, God, we pray. We commit her into your hands, God. Move in a mighty way. Brother Caleb Campbell and the family there, God, at the... Oh, God, you call in little Zoe Rose home. God, I pray for them that you would comfort them at this time of grief and bereavement. Minister strength, minister encouragement, minister, Lord, the purpose that you had for calling her home at such a young age. Strengthen them, God, we pray. We commit them into your hands, God. Those that were not here, maybe wanted to be here tonight for whatever reason, may you bless them. God, the, the request that was called out earlier, God, may you minister each and every one. Go with us. As we leave from this place, God, may we water the word for just a few minutes with our songs of worship. And may it bring forth an increase in every heart and in every life. May we have a testimony, God, as the church at Rome, that the world knows about the faith of Word of Life Tabernacle. That we can shake the world, the world that we live in, not just the seven, seven continents, but the world that we live in. That other people's lives can be shook by the salty life that we live and the light that we emit from our bodies and our lives that we live every day for Jesus Christ. Grant it, God, we pray. We commit it into your hands on the wings of faith. Keep us safe. Go with us. Bring us back at the appointed time. We ask in Jesus' name for the glory of God. And the church said, Amen. give me G if you would, and I'll turn it over to Brother Brian. Thank you for your, prayer, your prayers. Continue prayers. Tomorrow I go back to the house of horrors. So I, I ask you to remember me at about 3 o'clock when they start tying me in a pretzel I pray I ask you just to remember me and, and uh, hold me up before the Lord that, that I can make it through one hour just just one hour is all I ask and then uh, next week we'll do it all over again uh, the pain has a purpose I can do things now that I couldn't do a month ago because of the pain that I've been through and then amazing how that works they put you through all that kind of pain and then you find out you can walk upstairs, you, can, you don't need the cane, you don't need the walker, and you think, man, it took all that pain to get me to here. And you look at yourself spiritually. And all the pain got me to where I'm at right now. Well, God is good. Yes, He is. He's good all the time. God is good. Yes, He is.
appreciate and enjoy the message this evening. I certainly want my testimony to be known to those around me. And if it's not, then I just got to work that much harder that it's known. Amen. Uh, in your prayer for the service is Sunday, 11 and 430. Um, also, the youth banquet and all that, that's coming up very, very quickly. So remember that if you would. Um, and then next Saturday, the 5th, um, work day here at the church. Anybody who can come, the more help, the better. Good fellowship as well. Um, so around 9, 9, 10, whatever works better for you next Saturday. Uh, we'll sing this and we'll be dismissed. Key of F. Oh, you don't know like I know what is done.